Hey, what's up, psychos? Welcome to another episode of Take Your Pills, Psychopath, the comedy podcast that exploits mental illness for personal profit. What? Trademark. I'm your host, John F. O'Donnell, J-Fod. What is going on, everybody? How are we doing? How is our mental health in this crazy, crazy world? Are we doing all right? I'm hanging in there, guys. I'm hanging in there doing my thing, trying to be as creative as I can, trying to get by in New York City. I'm doing all right. Um, Yeah, yeah, I got uh, some stuff coming up a little bit. I'm doing uh, some shows. I got some uh, always every Friday. If you're in the New York area, come on out to Live from Outer Space at uh, the Cobra Club in Brooklyn. We do a great show there. Um, you can always find out information about that on my Instagram, which is at uh, the real JFOD. So uh, definitely check that out. And I got some headlining gigs on the road. I'm doing a little West Virginia run. Uh, yeah, I'm doing four shows. I'm still finding out the details of them, but I know that at least one of the shows is in Morgantown. Uh, so if you're in the West Virginia area, definitely, uh, check that out. You can send me an email at takeyourpillspod at gmail.com. I'll give you all the info. And also in next week's podcast, I will have all of that info. So I'll, I'll plug it there so you can find out about that. And also you can find that on my Instagram as well. So yeah, if you're in the area, come hang out and make sure to come say hello. It'd be great to see people. And I know I'm just doing a little bit of road right now, but it's exciting for me to get out there to uh, to do some shows outside of New York City. And I want to hopefully build that. I know that it's tough for me to go on the road for extended periods of time because it messes up the sort of like, you know, the kind of rhythm of my life, the pattern of my life, which is important for my mental uh, wellness with uh, dealing with bipolar disorder. Uh, so I'm hoping maybe say like, you know, once a month, one weekend or so out of the month, I can hit up a different place, uh, someplace in the country, but I just have to make sure that it's economically viable because I cannot afford to lose money on the road, which often happens. So I'm trying to figure that out in terms of my creativity. I'm doing well in terms of my energy level. I'm doing well. So I'm happy that the medication that I'm on is uh is is not you know overly sedating me and things like that so i feel grateful in that regard um yeah how are you guys doing what's going on drop me a line say hello take your pills pod at gmail.com let's uh let's chat i've gotten some great messages from people about the podcast i really appreciate that um my stand-up is interesting, guys. My stand-up is coming along. I'd say I have about 45 minutes of new material uh, since the special that I feel really good about. So I'll probably record that at some point. I have no idea when. I have no idea how to finance that. But it's something that I'd like to do for sure. Um, new York's starting to get colder, so even more challenging. But, uh, you know, I'll persevere. I'll do all right. I, uh, yeah. That's that's the deal. Um, if you haven't yet watched my stand-up special, The Manic Depressive Chocolate Fountain Operator, definitely check that out on YouTube. All you have to do is type my name into YouTube, and it's one of the first things that pops up. Uh, and then all I ask is that you like it and leave a comment. It really helps a lot and uh, helps the algorithm show it to more people. And I like uh, seeing the comments. It makes me happy because I'm proud of that work, and I self-produced that. 
and it's and it's uh, and it's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, this is going to be a solo episode this week. Next week, I have a. Uh, I'm going to have Billy Somerville on. He's a uh, really really talented psychologist. So we haven't had a psychologist on. So I'm interested to talk to him, get his perspective on mental health, get his perspective on the state of things, uh, what he likes to, how he likes to give, how he likes to, uh, what kind of therapy he likes to give, and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to this week's show because I've scoured the interwebs for you guys and found a bunch of uh, interesting pieces. A lot of this is going to be about gaslighting this week. Uh, we're going to focus on the theme of gaslighting, which is a messed up thing that people do when they, um, you know, they convince you that you're wrong about something that you're right about. They invalidate your uh you know, your understanding of reality, which is uh, super messed up. And it's definitely associated with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, I had somebody uh, that I was dealing with that was doing that to uh, me and my friends. Uh, So I think it's important to cover this and we're going to do it. We're going to do it. So, yeah. Um, Let's see. I'm just going to give you guys an overview of what we're going to cover today. We have a piece entitled 26 Gaslighting Examples and Phrases That Manipulative People Use. Uh, Then we got 11 Ways to Turn the Tables on a Gaslighter in Your Life. And we've got How to Deal with Medical Gaslighting. Interesting. And then we're going to move on to some other stuff here. um, If we have time for it. Uh, A piece entitled Why is Self-Acceptance So Hard? And then how to overcome limiting beliefs, six simple steps. And I don't know if we'll get to this last one. We got a piece called happiness is personal. We find and define, we find and define our own happiness. So a lot on the reading syllabus today, a lot on the reading agenda. Um, And I'm psyched to do it. And I hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast lately. I hope you're all doing well. I mean... Holy shit, it's a challenging world. It's a challenging life. If you don't have some sort of mental situation going on, are you just not paying attention to anything? What is happening here? So I hope you psychos are doing well. I'm hanging in, man. I'm feeling good. Um, Thank goodness for my creative outlets. Thank goodness. All right, here we go. This first piece is in a publication called Happier Human. It's entitled 26 Gaslighting Examples and Phrases That Manipulative People Use. Let's do it. The term gaslighting is frequently used in our culture, but what does it really mean? Gaslighting is a term for a form of emotional abuse that can be hard to recognize. It's not always readily apparent, even though it often occurs in abusive relationships. Yet, unfortunately, gaslighting can have serious consequences for your mental well-being if it continues over time. So it's important to spot the signs of gaslighting. In this article, we'll take a deeper look at what gaslighting is, why it's so harmful, and some common gaslighting example phrases. What is gaslighting? Have you ever been around someone who made you question your own sanity or perception of events? If so, it's possible you were a victim of gaslighting. This subtle form of bullying is a way to gain psychological control over another person. 
Gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse, but a very subtle one. Consequently, you might not even realize it's happening. Many people experience gaslighting in romantic relationships. However, it can come from anyone. Your family, friends, or even your co-workers can be guilty of the tactic. Sometimes people in positions of authority, like doctors or politicians, are guilty of gaslighting others. Gaslighters say things that make you feel like you're going crazy or that an event didn't happen the way you remember it. They might unfairly shift blame onto you or shut down what you're saying altogether. Gaslighting statements can make you question the validity of your feelings, thoughts, and memories. Over time, you might even start doubting your own mental stability. So gaslighting is nothing short of psychological manipulation. Gaslighters make insidious statements that may not seem like abuse on the surface, but these statements gradually lead you to question your own reality and worth. Over time, gaslighting harms your self-esteem and confidence. Gaslighting is a means of validation for the abuser as it makes them feel powerful and superior in the relationship. The term gaslighting harkens back to the Alfred Hitchcock film Gaslight, which was based on a play. In the movie, an abusive husband seeks to control his wife. He does things that make her think she's losing her mind. He cuts her off and isolates her. Ultimately, she comes to question her reality. Psychologists soon began using the term gaslighting to refer to this behavior. Interesting. The harmful effects of being gaslighted. Someone's words might not seem like a big deal. But when it's gaslighting, the effects are all too dangerous. Over time, gaslighting wears you down, knocking out your confidence and self-esteem. Worse, you may not even realize it's happening to you, or you may come to think everything is your fault. Gaslighting affects your psyche in a number of ways. It causes you to constantly second-guess yourself. Gaslighting can negatively impact your ability to make decisions. You might second-guess whether you're right about something or whether it really happened the way you remember it. If you perceive a situation a certain way, gaslighting tells you that your perception isn't true. Wondering if there's something wrong with you. Talking with a gaslighter can leave you feeling foggy-headed and confused. Their statements can make you feel like you're going mad. They covertly frame your feelings as being silly or invalid. Once they've downplayed your feelings enough, you may feel like you're the one with the issue, not them. You might even question your sanity. Thinking you're too sensitive. A gaslighter may literally state that you're crazy or overreacting, so instead of listening to your concerns, they minimize them. Even worse, they minimize them as madness. If you express hurt over something they said, they might just say that it's your problem, not theirs, so you start to buy into the idea that you're too sensitive. You begin to feel insecure. Being gaslit can cause you to be constantly insecure. You're always afraid to do or say the wrong thing. You might fear speaking up around your gaslighter or fear of what they might say or do. Or you might just think you're being unreasonable and bringing an issue to light. You feel powerless in your own life. Gaslighting can make you start believing negative things about yourself that aren't true. So you start thinking you are what the abuser says you are. Eventually, you feel powerless and isolated. Diminished self-esteem. Gaslighting harms your self-esteem and self-image. You might feel like you don't do anything right or that you're worthless. You might think you're being, you're being unfair or that you have nobody else in your corner. You constantly apologize. Being gaslit can make you feel like everything you do or say is wrong. So you tend to apologize way more than you should or need to for every little thing. 
you feel like a huge letdown, a disappointment to others. You're walking on eggshells and feel like you can't do anything right. You might even apologize for simply being yourself. You feel anxious and on the edge. Gaslighting undermines your sense of well-being. It knocks you off kilter on a foundational level. So when you're in a gaslighting relationship, you might have a lot of anxiety without even knowing why, especially around the person gaslighting you. But of course, their words lead you to question if you're the flawed one. Wow, there's a lot to this. Difficulty making decisions. Gaslighting cuts down your self-esteem and makes you question your reality so you become afraid to use your own judgment you don't trust yourself to make decisions and you think it's safer to uh, leave them to your abuser wow losing your identity over time being gaslit can disconnect you from the truth of who you are it wears you down and cuts you off from your internal sense of self thinking you thinking things are your fault when they're not gaslighters tend to shift the blame onto you even when they're in the wrong So you might constantly take up the burden, feeling like it's all your fault, even when nothing could be further from the truth. Feeling emotionally numb. Being gaslit can leave you feeling disconnected from your emotions, depressed, stressed, and empty. Feeling overwhelmed. Gaslighters can leave you feeling confused, fragile, and incapable. You might not be sure why, but you dwell in a state of anxiety and overwhelm. Damn. Gaslighting is intense, man. There's a lot to it. And it's hardcore. Have you psychos ever experienced that? Have you ever been in a relationship with a gaslighter? Let me know. Take your pills pot at gmail.com. I'd love to hear about it. And hopefully you've gotten some relief from it. You've been able to separate from that person. Who are the types of people that use gaslighting? As we've seen, gaslighting can happen not only in romantic relationships, but also in any type of relationship. Friends, Family members or coworkers might be guilty of gaslighting. It can even occur in medical settings when a doctor minimizes your health complaints, dismisses them, doesn't take them seriously, or suggests that you're just imagining things. We're going to get to a piece about that later, actually. Some people gaslight others because it gives them pleasure. It may be a power play, enabling the abuser to control you at the core of your identity. On the other hand, some people may gaslight others without even realizing it. The person may have grown up in an abusive home atmosphere. They may have witnessed gaslighting between their parents and now do it automatically. That is scary that that cycle can happen and continue. Gaslighting can be a defense mechanism, a way of exerting control over a situation when the gaslighter feels threatened. By disempowering you with their words, whether intentional or not, they keep the balance of power on their side. Gaslighters often suffer from mental health disorders. The behavior can manifest in pathological liars or in people with psychopathy, narcissistic personality disorder, or other personality disorders. This is not to say that all gaslighters have a personality disorder, but the behavior is commonly seen in people who do. All right. Whether or not the person gaslights you intentionally, it's not okay, and it's not your fault. Gaslighting can be devastating to the mental health of the victim. Therefore, it's essential to recognize when gaslighting occurs and understand what to do about it. Common gaslighting examples to watch out for. Emotional abuse and manipulative behavior can take many forms in a relationship. And when you're in the eye of the storm, it's hard to realize it's happening to you. It's all too easy to doubt your own perceptions. And when you love someone, it's even harder to see through abusive behaviors. After all, you want their approval and love. You want to trust them, and you should be able to, but it may not be the case. 
There are many manipulative phrases that people employ to maintain the upper hand. Therefore, it's helpful to arm yourself with knowledge. Even though you may not realize you're being gaslit, you may feel anxious or worthless around the person. Fortunately, you can learn to recognize the signs of gaslighting. Gaslighters may display a number of unhealthy communication tactics, like trivializing your feelings. Not only do gaslighters fail to take your concerns or feelings seriously, they also paint a twisted picture of the situation. They might claim that you're the one overreacting or being too sensitive. So instead of being able to freely communicate, you start feeling like you don't even have a right to be upset. The gaslighter makes it seem like you're flying off the handle for no reason. On top of this, you can start feeling vulnerable and alone when someone doesn't respect what you're thinking and saying. You start to lose your internal compass because the gaslighter just brushes off your feelings and makes it seem ridiculous that you even bring them up. Putting the blame on you. Gaslighters often don't take responsibility for their behavior. They frame the situation like you're the one to blame. They shut down any suggestion that they were in the wrong, instead making it seem that whatever happened was your fault. So even if you feel upset by the person's behavior, it does no good to talk to them about it because they just shovel the blame onto you. Creating their own version of events. Gaslighters can make you question your own reality and memories by describing an event differently than it happened. They may even deny it altogether. As a result, you start to wonder if your perception is wrong. Damn, there is a lot to gaslighting. Diverting attention from the issue at hand. When you try to have a serious conversation with a gaslighter, they might just change the subject entirely. They won't give your concerns the time of day. They might divert your attention from the issue by asking an unrelated question. The gaslighter brushes off the validity of your feelings altogether, so you might think you should never have brought it up, or you might be confused about what to say next. Talking badly about you to others. Gaslighters might go as far as talking down about you to your friends and family. They can get these people to side with them by telling them you're crazy or overreacting. They may lie or tell exaggerated stories about you to make it seem like you're in the wrong. Yeah, that is definitely a gaslighting tactic. The gaslighter may deny wrongdoing and put on a charismatic face to the world so other people have no idea what's happening below the surface. The abuser might even claim that you're lying if your story disagrees with theirs. All of this makes you feel isolated and unhinged. Smooth over insults with loving words. After a gaslighter says or does something hurtful, they might say nice things to show they care. However, their caring is disingenuous. For instance, if you bring up their hurtful behavior, they start saying how much they love you and that they wouldn't intentionally hurt you. But if they truly regretted their actions, they wouldn't do them anymore. Still, you might end up forgiving them and sweeping bad behavior under the rug because of their kind words. Here are a few examples of what gaslighting can sound like. Quote, you're too sensitive. The gaslighter minimizes your feelings and shuts you down with statements like this. They make it seem like you're in the wrong for feeling hurt by them. Quote, you need to calm down. You're overreacting. Again, this type of statement minimizes how you feel. The gaslighter may have said something that made you upset, but they act like you're being unreasonable and blowing things out of proportion. They make you feel ashamed for bringing it up. Quote, you need to grow a thicker skin. The gaslighter might prod you with an insult framed as a joke, and when you get upset, they flip it around saying you need to toughen up and can't take a joke. You're just paranoid. The gaslighter doesn't take your suspicion or concern seriously. They make you feel like your mind is spinning tails and playing tricks on you. There's something wrong with you. 
over time, you may start to feel insecure, believing that maybe there really is something wrong with you and not the abuser. When a gaslighter says phrases like this, they put themselves in a position of superiority and cause you to question your mental stability. I'm really worried about your sanity. This may be another way a gaslighter makes you think you're losing it. They undermine your ability to trust your judgment and your gut, and consequently the gaslighter maintains power, making it seem like they're just looking out for you. Uh, I guess I'll say quotes again. Quote, do you, remember you, do you remember you said you would do this? Sometimes a gaslighter might report things differently than they actually happened. A phrase like this lays a guilt trip on you, and it makes, your, uh, makes you question your own memories. Is any of this stuff resonating with you guys? Because some of it is certainly resonating with me. Wow, this is wild. Quote, how dare you accuse me of that? When a gaslighter says this, it distracts you from the hurt they caused. It reverses the blame and puts the spotlight on you. In this way, the gaslighter switches the victim and offender roles. They put themselves in the shoes of the victim, making you feel bad for hurting them. Quote, you're just insecure. With a statement like this, the gaslighter is once again invalidating your concerns and making you feel like it's all in your head. Quote, I was just joking. While it's normal to joke around with your friend's family or partner, it shouldn't make you feel bad. You could be gaslit if you feel like you can't speak your mind about being hurt without hearing a statement like this. Quote, it isn't a big deal. This is another way for the gaslighter to trivialize what you're thinking or feeling. You might start to question if you truly are overreacting. Quote, why are you always like this? The gaslighter makes you feel ashamed for the way you are or how you react. Plus, it isn't fair to tell someone they are always a certain way. This statement undermines your self-esteem and perception of what's happening. Next one. Quote, that's not what happened. Sometimes gaslighters lie about an event. They might tell the story differently, flat out deny they did or said something. This can make you second guess the soundness of your mind. Um, There's a bunch of these guys. Okay. Uh, Quote, you're just clueless about this. This statement could be a way of shifting blame onto you. The gaslighter's words make you feel small and guilty and you start thinking you're incompetent. This also elevates the gaslighter's position of power as it seems like they're just looking out for you. Quote, everyone else agrees that you're crazy. This type of statement isolates you. It takes away your power in the relationship, making you feel alone and even more dependent on the abuser. The gaslighter manufactures social proof by saying that everyone agrees you're crazy. Quote, if you loved me, you'd let me do it. This statement is like turning love into a weapon. The gaslighter makes you feel guilty for not letting them do something they want to do. Rather than respecting healthy boundaries, the gaslighter tries to break them down and get away with their actions scot-free. Quote, you're always exaggerating things. Again, the word always can be a red flag since it's not fair to say you're always one way. And saying that you're exaggerating makes you doubt your own thoughts and reality. So you might start to think that you're overreacting after all. Quote, it's all your fault. A gaslighter will place the burden all on you. They might twist things around, making it seem as if you have something, as if you have somehow caused their hurtful behavior. Let's see, how many are these? Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. Oh, it's like I said, 26. Um, quote, you don't have friends because you're like this. By making you feel like an island, the gaslighter lessens your sense of power and self-esteem. Then you rely on them even more on the gaslight, even more. Then you rely on them even more on the gaslighter as you feel you have nobody else. This type of statement can be damaging to your self-confidence and self-worth because it suggests there's something fundamentally wrong with you that drives other people away. 
Quote, you're imagining that. This dangerous phrase contradicts your reality. The gaslighter denies that an event happened when you clearly remember otherwise. Quote, you made me do this. Blame shifting is a common tactic for gaslighters. If they do or say something hurtful, they just say it. They just say it's your fault. Quote, why can't you be like, question mark. This phrase makes someone feel like they're inferior to the person they're being compared to. This undermines a person's self-worth, making them feel they can't do anything right. Quote, why are you dredging up the past all the time? A gaslighter may say something like this, accusing you of rehashing old wounds and invalidating your version of events. There's a couple more. Uh, Quote, I can't express any opinions around you. This type of statement creates guilt when you express any negative reaction to the abuser's tirade. They immediately shut you down by claiming they can't speak their truth at all, distracting you from the issue at hand. Quote, I can't believe you're treating me like this after all I've done for you. An abuser shifts the blame onto you, making you feel like a bad person. You then feel like you're treating them badly and have no right to bring up their bad behavior because they've done so much for you. So you feel guilty or even like a a burden just for trying to communicate. Last one. Quote, stop worrying about that anymore. A gaslighter might say this when you get upset about what they said or did. Instead of discussing the issue, they brush it off like, Uh, It's no big deal. They tell you to stop worrying about the issue as if you're wrong for being upset about it. Wow. So those are 26 phrases that you might hear out of a gas lighter's mouth. Um, And now let's find out what to do if someone is gaslighting you. Let's see. Um, There are just, these are just some examples of what gaslighting sounds like. Over time, these seemingly small statements can take you to the, to the foundation of who you are. Whether or not the gaslighting is intentional, no one deserves emotional abuse. So, what can you do if you suspect you're in a manipulative relationship? The first step is recognizing that it's happening to you. Remember that it's not your fault, even if you feel like it is. Talking to someone you trust, like a close friend, can help you see things more clearly. It may be helpful to keep a record of your interactions with the gaslighter. Jot down what happened and how it made you feel. This way, you have a means of maintaining clarity. Keeping a journal allows you to review hurtful events once you're safe from the heat of the moment. Looking back, you might realize you weren't being unreasonable after all. You may also need to distance yourself from an emotionally tense situation, both physically and mentally. Getting grounded is a great way to reduce anxiety and stress after a heated exchange. You could go for a walk or practice deep breathing exercises, listen to music or feel the grass beneath your feet. These calming activities can help you stay centered amidst emotional turmoil. You need to have strong boundaries with a gaslighter. If you can be aware of when a person is trying to shut you down, make it clear you won't be dismissed. Don't let them deny the validity of your feelings. If gaslighting continues, you may need to leave the relationship altogether. Sometimes this is the only way to get away from the abuse. While it may be a painful, while it may be painful to leave someone you care about, it's more painful and damaging to stay in a toxic relationship. And if you ever feel threatened or unsafe in a relationship, you should reach out for help right away. Yeah, sometimes you just have to separate, man. It's sad, but true. It may take time to heal after getting out of a bad relationship. It may be helpful to talk to a friend or a therapist or use healing affirmations. All right, some final thoughts on gaslighting. 
Ultimately, gaslighting is a subtle form of abuse that can slowly erode your self-worth and mental health. It's never okay for someone to make you feel like you're less than. Gaslighting isn't okay, whether it comes from a romantic partner, a family member, a coworker, or a friend. By getting familiar with some common gaslighting phrases and tactics, you can better protect yourself and your energy from its harmful effects. Learn to recognize the signs of emotional abuse and know that it's not your fault. Be patient and loving with yourself and know that you deserve good things. Healing is possible and you deserve to be treated with love and respect. There you go, guys. We just took a deep dive into what gaslighting is. Wow. What a good piece, man. Is anybody experiencing that, dealing with that? Have you dealt with that in the past? Because it is gnarly. It's insidious. can creep up on you and over time really, really wear you down. So if anybody's dealing with that, I feel I'm sorry that you are. And I hope that you, uh, you know, lay down some boundaries. Do what you got to do to stop getting gaslit. And for anybody that's listening to this and is maybe realizing for the first time or it's more been more illuminated that they're in a, a gaslighting relationship, um, hopefully this has been helpful in that respect to at least know what's going on. Uh, yeah. Wow. So let's keep going with it, uh, with our gaslighting theme. This is also in Happier Human. This one's entitled 11 Ways to Turn the Tables on a Gaslighter in Your Life. Okay? So now that we know what gaslighting is in a pretty in-depth way, we just learned about it. Now we're going to learn some ways to turn the tables if you're dealing with a gaslighter, which I think is a worthwhile thing to know about. Okay. Oh, and both of these pieces, by the way, are by Sarah Christensen. Um, yeah. She's uh, very well versed in gaslighting and knowing about it. Not doing it, I assume. Cool. Here she's, This is what she says. There was a time I wanted to know how to turn the tab- tables on a gaslighter in my life because I'd had it with them. Now that you found yourself in that place, I hope I can help. Writing topics on getting even with a gaslighter, making them fear you, or turning tables is my forte. I've been gaslighted by multiple manipulative narcissists, including an ex-partner who tried to make me think I was going out of my mind. Since then, I started studying the traits, tactics, and weaknesses of gaslighters and manipulators so I can help you deal with them accordingly. Learn what gaslighting uh, means. Uh, its effects on your psyche, how to spot and 11 strategies for taking back control. So we might go over some of the same stuff here, but let's do it. What is gaslighting? Gaslighting is a term used to define, used to define a pattern of using psychological manipulation tactics to make someone question their own memory, reality, and sanity. It can happen in romantic, platonic, or professional relationships. Um, I'll just skip ahead because this talks about the origins of it again. We went over this stuff. Um, cool. Let's see. Impact of gaslighting on mental health. The following changes in behavior may indicate that the manipulation and emotional abuse is taking a toll on you. Some stuff went over lowered self-esteem and self-confidence, self-doubt. Yeah. Okay. We went over this. Okay. Here we go. How to tell you're being gaslighted in a relationship. To turn the tables on a gaslighter, you need to familiar yourself with the modus operandi. Gaslighters use the same tactics or patterns of behavior as if they read the same script. 
You can tell they're in manipulation mode if you notice these common behaviors. Okay, this is some stuff we went over too. Lying about things you know are true. Twisting the truth to imply you're lying. Accusing you of doing things they're doing. Telling you you're crazy, overreacting, emotionally unstable, or too sensitive. Defending, deflecting, and shifting blame to avoid owning up to their own mistakes. Denying the statements when you know that you've heard them. Denying their actions or rebutting your recollection of events. Projecting their flaws onto you and others. Casting doubt about your state of mind when discussing you with others. Yep. Lower examples of manipulative statements. Okay, so we uh, went through that. Reasons why people become gaslighters. Gaslighters have low self-esteem, feel unworthy, love to dodge accountability, and have a persistent need to feel validated. They will use those types of example statements to sow doubt in your mind and create mental confusion. According to Healthline, the primary goal is to gain power and control. Whether it's over your behavior, thoughts, or emotions, believing their story is more valid than yours and getting you to question your sanity fuels that need for control. Another reason is to keep you off balance, diminish your self-esteem, and undermine your sense of self-worth. Whether the person is narcissistic or sociopathic, getting control provides the validation needed to feel worthy and superior over you. Okay, a lot of this stuff... Some of this stuff we kind of we covered, but it's a little different here, so I'll read it. People are not born manipulative at birth. Their toxic behavior starts from somewhere. From starts from somewhere. Our core behavioral traits and personality as a whole are shaped in early childhood and are typically stable into adulthood. Several key factors influence the consistent behaviors we display as adults. Psychologists refer to those factors as the root causes of why we act how we do. In the case of gaslighting, the root causes may be childhood trauma or abuse. Gaslighting behaviors are also learned from caregivers or role models. In other cases, the issue can stem from a mental health problem or personality disorder. People with narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder display gaslighting traits. All right, here we go. How to turn the tables on a gaslighter using 11 tactics. Deciding that you've had enough and are ready to put the gaslighter in their place is a rather bold but necessary move. Taking back control of the situation means you can stop feeling nervous around them and regain your self-confidence. Let's start with 11 strategic ways to become a force of resistance and turn off the gaslighter for good. Number one, put a stop to their brainwashing. The things they say and do to you are tantamount to brainwashing or mental conditioning. I mean, think about it for a moment. Belittling you in subtle ways, like saying you're overreacting or delusional, is an attempt to persuade you to see yourself in a negative light. Their intention is also to skillfully, over time, control your thoughts, behaviors, and self-image. Don't believe it when they call you crazy or tell you that you don't know what you're talking about. Number two, expose their toxic behavior. Among the effective ways to turn the tables on a gaslighter is to call out their toxic behaviors. They think you're a weak, naive, and unintelligent person who's easy to manipulate. First of all, you're not how they perceive you. Secondly, you're done putting up with the person's attempts to erode your mental health and self-esteem. One option is to be direct and call them out by saying something like, quote, I know what you're doing. You're gaslighting me, end quote. Be prepared to see their surprised OMG, you caught me, look, or confused facial expression. Number three, resist the urge to defend yourself. The person may intentionally say or do, 
do things to spark conflict. In their mind, they're hoping to get you all riled up. They want you to get defensive so they can turn the conversation into an argument. Then comes the belittling and more gaslighting. Quote, you see, you're overreacting again. From now on, whenever they try to goad you into a toxic exchange with their lies and denials, try the agreement tactic instead. You may, you may say, quote, okay, if you say so, say, some, say nothing at all if the situation warrants silence. Don't give them any more energy than necessary. Staying emotionally engaged will only provide them with the attention and validation they are starved of. Number four, set boundaries. Healthy boundaries should be in place regardless of if you're dealing with a gaslighter or not. More so when you're dealing with manipulative people. Setting boundaries gives you a chance to get physical and emotional space away from them. There are fewer opportunities for them to carry out emotional abuse. Be clear about boundaries relating to their actions towards you and follow through. Boundaries can take the form of conditional statements such as, quote, I will stop responding to you if you call me crazy or other demeaning names. Number five, minimize interaction. Reducing interaction is a way to enforce boundaries and put more emotional and physical space between you two. During the encounters, keep things brief. You have to take this approach to protect yourself, even if it's someone you love. Let's say the person is actively trying to make you doubt your own memory. Resist the back and forth of trying to prove or trying to prove yourself. Of late, I quote Queen Elizabeth II by saying, quote, recollections may vary, end quote then carry on without another word. Giving them as little attention and responses as possible is similar to its technique called gray rocking. The tactic is used to divert and reduce toxic behaviors by others. Okay, this is good to know. Number six, number six, stop engaging and leave the scene. Practically every verbal interaction with a manipulator can feel like a battle. You may find yourself always needing to defend your truth or call out the same repetitive and toxic behaviors. They, of course, will say, quote, I don't know what you're talking about, end quote. Yeah, right. If the person is a narcissist, you can forget trying to win any argument. To them, you're always wrong. They will either try to one-up you or outrightly say you're clueless. It's not worth trying to argue with manipulators and gaslighters. My favorite way to disengage from them is to say in a calm tone, quote, I'm not doing this. If they insist, then I leave the room without warning. End of story. Number seven, keep a journal. Gaslighters are known for telling you you're hearing or seeing things. In other words, paranoid or delusional. They'll also call your memory into question. Keep records by documenting events and conversations in a personal journal. Of course, you know your memory isn't bad. You know you're not delusional or seeing or imagining things as the gaslighter tries to convince you. Don't try to convince them otherwise. They love to argue and spin things in their favor. Your journal can function as a weapon to verify your experience and rebut what they say with written proof. If push comes to shove, record them. You don't necessarily have to confront them with the evidence when they lie. Think of journaling as a way to help you recognize the pattern. Number eight, don't show any emotion. Man, you got to do a lot of stuff to turn the tables on a gaslighter. This is heavy, man. Wow. Feeling negative emotions is common and normal when dealing with a gaslighting friend, partner, or boss. Getting rattled by the gaslighter and showing emotions such as anger or sadness don't make them feel empathy for you. It only motivates them to double down more while you're in a vulnerable state. Gaslighters like the malignant, narcissistic, sociopath 
Gaslighters like the malignant narcissist or sociopath take pleasure from seeing others in pain. Whatever you do, show absolutely no emotion when they uh, blame you for their actions or accuse you of doing the things they did. Just act like you don't care. Number nine, don't make them change the subject. When a gaslighter is messing with your head, regain the upper hand by preventing them from changing the topic. Psychotherapists call it deflecting, and it is a common strategy by gaslighters to regain control of the narrative. For example, if you start talking about something that they did that you didn't like, they'll start talking about something you did. A now defunct gaslighter in my life loves using this tactic. He'll say, quote, but you do the same thing, end quote. That's deflection, and it's skillfully done to shut you down or cause you to defend yourself. The person also gets to evade accountability for the behavior you called out since you're now busy defending yourself. Number 10, hold them accountable. People who gaslight thrive on being in a constant power struggle with you. Sometimes they do things on purpose to bait you into giving them attention. However, they hate it when you, quote, pull their mask off and expose them for who they are. Don't back down if they try to bully their way out of giving you an explanation for misbehaving. They will try to deny, deflect, and distort the truth to evade responsibility. Stand your ground. Brandish your weapon, as in your journal, if necessary, and show them you've got dirt on them. Number 11. Rebuild your self-esteem. Put the final nail in the coffin by doing things to regain your self-esteem and self-worthiness. Uh, For example, talking to supportive family members, joining a support group, using self-help strategies, and getting help from a therapist. Self-help approaches can take the form of, practice, uh, of practicing self-compassion, using positive self-talk, and reciting self-affirmations. Good self-esteem helps you to see yourself in a more positive way. You're more capable of establishing and enforcing boundaries to defend your well-being. You'll become practically untouchable to the person who gaslit and emotionally abused you. Even more important, the gaslighter will be peeved that you've recovered and are living your best life without them. Yeah, I think a lot of this has to do with self-esteem. I think when we have low self-esteem, that allows someone to prey on us with their gaslighting tactics. So we have to put in the work to realize that we're good people, that we're trying our best in this life, uh, and that we, uh, that we don't deserve to be subjected to emotional abuse, man. Some final thoughts on how to turn the tables on a gaslighter. Let's not sugarcoat this. Gaslighting is abusive and long-term exposure to it can ultimately impact your mental health. While most common in romantic relationships, it can also occur within the family, between friends, and at the workplace. Regardless of the setting, the potential effects remain the same, and some people may need therapy to recover from the emotional trauma caused. Applying the strategies persistently can eventually make the gaslighter think twice about messing with you. For a greater insight into gaslighting, be sure to read 26 gaslighting examples and phrases that manipulate uh, people that manipulative people use, which we just read. So now we've gotten through both of these. This is a lot about gaslighting. Um, so yeah, it's pretty it's pretty good that we're covering this and figuring this out, man. Um, yeah, wow. Good piece. Good to know. So now we're going to do even more about gaslighting. And this one is uh, from Psychology Today. And it's called How to Deal with Medical Gaslighting and Who's Most Likely to Experience It. So medical gaslighting, we were we kind of touched on that briefly earlier, is uh, 
when someone in the medical community, I guess doctors, nurses, etc., are just not uh, not not listening to you, I guess. Well, I mean, we're going to find out in this article. Um, or they're convincing you that you're wrong about how you feel. And this is by uh, Jennifer uh, Kilkis, who is a PhD. Cool. So some key points. Medical gaslighting describes the experience of having, of having a medical concern dismissed or minimized. Another key point. People of color and women are most likely to experience medical gaslighting. Another key point. There are steps patients can take to advocate for themselves in a medical setting to reduce the risk of medical gaslighting. <clears throat> okay, let's learn about this. Quote, I just knew something was wrong. Quote, my doctor told me it is normal to have pain as you get older. Quote, I went to five different doctors before I was finally diagnosed. Quote, I was told there is no way I could have cancer. I'm too young. We put a lot of trust in the medical profession. We are usually going to the doctor at our most vulnerable when we don't feel well, something is wrong, and we need help. It can be a frightening experience that can become a frustrating or even dangerous one when medical concerns are minimized or dismissed. A recent CNBC article labels this phenomenon medical gaslighting. Gaslighting is the term used to describe a type of manipulation that is designed to make another person doubt their own judgment or question their reality. Medical gaslighting describes the experience of having a medical concern dismissed or arbitrarily um, attributed to a psychological or neutral cause by a healthcare provider. Women and people of color are significantly more likely to experience medical gaslighting. There is an overwhelming body of evidence that patients in these groups are more likely to experience delays in diagnoses and treatment and have poorer medical outcomes. There have been some studies, such as this one, that have suggested that women are more likely to be misdiagnosed with a psychiatric condition when they are experiencing symptoms of another medical condition. In the case of this study, common symptoms of heart disease. This is the result of numerous contributing factors, including that research on diseases impacting men is more heavily funded than research on diseases that impact women. That's messed up. However, such contributing factors reflect a more systemic and overarching explanation. Medical decision-making is influenced by implicit biases held by healthcare providers. All right, interesting. Um, okay. Um, oh, I lost this spot. Sorry, guys. In a previous blog post, I described the use of heuristics in decision-making. Heuristics are a mental shortcut we all use to help us make efficient decisions. Unfortunately, heuristics are prone to cognitive biases uh, and errors in judgment that lead us to draw inaccurate uh, conclusions. When we are busy and stressed, we are more likely to make uh, biased decisions based on these mental shortcuts. Healthcare workers are experiencing greater and greater demands on their time increasing the cognitive load present when making decisions. Under these conditions, it is more likely that decisions are made based on implicit bias about the patient being seen. A study that examined cognitive load and, and uh, physician decisions to prescribe opioids to patients with pain demonstrates this effect. This study found that physicians experiencing a higher cognitive demand were much less likely 
to prescribe pain medication to black patients compared to white patients. This may be reflective of an inaccurate belief that black patients have a higher pain threshold. This inaccurate and biased belief is alive and well. A 2016 study found that half of medical students surveyed believed black patients have a higher pain threshold than white patients. What the fuck? And this belief changed the treatment recommendations made by the participants. It is evident that there is an urgent need for change in many aspects of the healthcare system, including education on cognitive biases and how to combat them. Providers also need adequate time to consider all elements of a case before making treatment decisions, but are experiencing a greater burden of administrative tasks, such as documentation, instead of being able to use their time for patient care. These types of changes are likely to take a significant amount of time. Until there is a wide-scale change to improve these aspects of the healthcare system, here are some ideas for addressing it if you encounter it yourself. Documentation is your friend. It can be extraordinarily helpful to keep track of your symptoms so that you have data to provide to your doctor. How often, how intense, and how long you have had your symptoms are all good metrics to log, as well as what you have tried for the symptoms and whether anything seems to help or make your symptoms worse. It may be harder for a physician to dismiss symptoms with data on your side. It can also be useful to take notes during a doctor's appointment so you can follow up later with any questions you have or anything else you forgot to mention. Time can go by so quickly, and it can be easy to forget important things, particularly if you are scared in pain or aren't feeling heard. It is also important to make sure your medical record accurately reflects the visit. If a physician dismisses a concern, you can request that they document their decision in your medical record. Okay, that is good advice. Two heads are better than one. If it is at all possible, bring a family member or friend to important appointments. They may hear something you don't, or they may ask a question you may not have thought of. They can also chime in if a doctor attributes your symptoms to something that you know it is not related to, such as stress or weight. They can act as an advocate for your symptoms to be taken seriously if they haven't uh, physically come to the visit. You can ask if they can call in to listen during the appointment. Yeah, it's always good. If you have to go into the hospital or something like that, if you can have somebody come with you to listen as a second as a second set of ears, uh, it's a really, really good thing if, you, if you're lucky enough to have that as an option. Get a second opinion. It is okay to get a second or third opinion or to change your doctor if necessary. Trust is a fundamental component of any working uh, relationship, particularly one as important as the physician-patient relationship. Continue to seek out a physician who takes your concerns seriously and is willing to help you find answers. Listen to your gut. Physicians are the experts in medicine, but you are the expert on you. It can be a relief to hear, quote, don't worry, you're fine. But if you feel uneasy about letting something go, that may be a sign to seek out a specialist or another opinion. Um, yeah. And the bottom here. Thank you to the reader who pointed out that my phrasing in a previous version of this post may have inadvertently framed psychiatric disorders as not being legitimate medical disorders. I've edited this section to reflect my intended meaning. Okay. Um, wow. Okay, good piece. This is some strategies not to allow yourself to be medically gaslit. I think that's certainly worthwhile. Um, yeah. It's pretty good. So yeah, this has been a Gaslighted Theme episode. Let's see. Do we have time? I think we have time for one more piece. And you know what? I think that this ties in 
because I like I was just saying, I think low self-esteem is why we would allow ourselves to get gaslit. Um, and this is a piece about why self-acceptance is so hard. This next piece. And if we can figure out some self-acceptance, cultivate some confidence, then we can avoid being gaslit in our life. Um, so let's uh, let's read this one. Uh, why is self-acceptance so hard? And this is from uh, a site called Psych Central. Why is self-acceptance so hard? Self- self-acceptance can be difficult, especially in life experience, if life experiences taught you to alienate yourself. Do you accept yourself as you are? Those who do are more likely to experience good mental health than those who do not. Self-acceptance is about accepting that you are who you are Flaws and all. Uh, accepting your full self might, you know what, might might seem simple enough, but it's easier said than done. In fact, self-acceptance can be difficult for many of us. Self-acceptance is not the same as self-esteem, okay, or, or self-confidence. While your self-esteem may rise and fall based on the way you perceive your self-worth, self-acceptance remains consistent no matter how you view yourself. The good news is that self-acceptance can be learned. Learning to accept yourself can improve your mental well-being and help you to cope with life's ups and downs. Okay. Um, all right, fine. Let's read it. I'm thinking that like we're getting a little bit off topic here. Maybe I should have just stopped where we were at. But we're, we started it. We're going to read it. Uh, let's do it. Okay, hold on. I lost my place. Why is self-acceptance so hard to achieve? Accepting yourself is easier said than done. We often receive messages from the world, the media, family members, teachers, religious teachings, and so on that imply our inferiority. This can make it hard to accept ourselves. For instance, your upbringing might make a difference. A 2016 study based on 236 uh, young adults in Turkey found that participants were more likely to experience self-acceptance if they remembered their parents accepting them in their childhood. Discrimination can also make a difference. It's hard to accept yourself when the world tells you you're inferior. A review published in 2020 found that LGBTQ plus uh, individuals had lower levels of self-acceptance compared to heterosexual participants. This could be because they were more likely to experience discrimination. Self-acceptance can be particularly hard if your parents or caregivers didn't make you feel accepted, You've experienced trauma that affects the way you see yourself. You feel guilty about past events. You've been taught to see yourself as inferior because of your race, gender, orientation, or another aspect of your identity. However, it isn't impossible to practice self-acceptance just because you've experienced trauma, neglect, or discrimination. It may take time, but practicing self-acceptance can be helpful to you in the long run. What's the connection between self-acceptance and depression? Self-acceptance is linked to mental health. Research from 2019 suggests that people with a negative self-image and low self-esteem may be more likely to experience symptoms of depression. A 2019 study noted that, quote, unconditional self-acceptance is a better predictor of mental well-being than self-esteem. Self-esteem is about how you perceive yourself, whether you feel you're worthy and good, for example. But self-acceptance is about accepting yourself regardless of whether you feel worthy or not. Interesting. Why is it so hard to accept yourself when you have depression? It might be because depression can affect the way you view yourself. Feelings of worthiness and low confidence are common symptoms of depression. These feelings make it harder for you to feel positive about yourself. 
However, it's possible to learn to accept yourself when you have depression. Self-acceptance is about accepting your flaws even when your confidence is low and when you feel unproductive, unworthy, or unhappy. Okay. What does self-acceptance look like? Yeah, this is what I want to hear. I want to understand this. Self-acceptance is when you accept all aspects of yourself, positive and negative. Okay. This doesn't necessarily mean you're resistant to growth, but rather that you accept yourself instead of fighting against the parts of your personality that you dislike. Signs of self-acceptance can include the following. Even in difficult circumstances, you accept yourself. You acknowledge your flaws and weaknesses. You feel comfortable being your authentic self. You're able to take uh, kind criticism without feeling attacked. You feel like you're on your own side. Self-acceptance is not about believing you are perfect or flawless, avoiding growth and self-improvement, feeling 100% confident all the time, always believing you're right. A lack of self-acceptance can look like experiencing self-loathing or self-hate, especially in difficult circumstances, taking drastic attempts to avoid honest introspection, feeling ashamed of your flaws and weaknesses, denying or ignoring your flaws because they make you uncomfortable, getting defensive whenever someone confronts or criticizes you. All right. What is self-love? Self-love is about being compassionate and kind towards yourself. It's about prioritizing your needs, not in a selfish way, but in a way that acknowledges your humanity. Positive psychology often discusses, often focuses on nurturing self-acceptance and self-love. Most approaches to psychology focus on addressing dysfunctional behavior so that people are able to function better. But positive psychology takes it a step further. It focuses on helping people thrive. Positive psychology suggests that all of us, whether we have a mental health condition or not, can benefit from learning to love ourselves, work on self-improvement, and practice healthy habits. There's a strong focus on promoting happiness, gratitude, and stress management skills. Positive psychology methods for self-love can include trying mindfulness and guided meditations, engaging in creative hobbies, practicing gratitude, journaling freestyle or using prompts, cultivating healthy relationships with others, identifying harmful patterns and addressing them, nurturing healthy habits. So let's recap. Self-acceptance does not come naturally to all of us. If you've been exposed to messages that say you're unworthy or inferior, you may find it harder to accept every aspect of yourself. However, it's possible to nurture your self-acceptance and learn to meet yourself with compassion and care. Positive psychology and therapy can help you learn to accept all of your parts, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so that you can have a healthier relationship with yourself. There you go. And I believe that cultivating self-acceptance can allow you to minimize gaslighting in your life or cut it out altogether. So I'm glad we read that one too. Um, Yeah, that's good. I feel like this is a good part for uh, a good point for us to uh, wrap it up because we, we did a lot of covered a lot of stuff with gaslighting, covered some stuff with self acceptance. I think it was good. I think that we're, we're we're coming in on an hour here, so I hope you guys found this worthwhile. I'll just do my plugs again. Um, got shows coming up in West Virginia. I've never been to West Virginia, Morgantown. So I'll let you know about that. Email me at takeyourpillspod at gmail.com if you're in the area. And also, I'll give you the specifics on next week's episode and also on my Instagram, which is uh, at the real JFOD. If you want to uh, follow me there, I'll follow you back. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm psyched about that. If you're in the New York area, come on out to uh, Live from Outer Space at the Cobra Club every Friday at 9 o'clock in Bushwick. And please check out my stand-up special. 
Uh, just type John F. O'Donnell to YouTube. It'll be right there. It's called the Manic Depressive Chocolate Fountain Operator. Give it a like and leave a comment. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you psychos. I appreciate this community that we have. I'm psyched that it's building. Um, and you guys mean a lot to me taking the time to listen to this. Makes me feel less isolated and less alone with all my shit. So thank you. Uh, again, this has been another episode of Take Your Pill Psychopath, the comedy podcast that exploits mental illness for personal profit. What? Trademark. I've been your host, John F. O'Donnell. Enjoy the rest of your day, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. I love you guys. Bye.